you for that. If you would stand with me for the reading of the Word of God, and uh, it'll be on the screen there in front of you. You're welcome to use your Bibles or have a copy of the Scriptures open there. We will be primarily in Exodus uh, this morning. Boy, what a great medley that was. Give me Jesus, and what a friend we have in Jesus. You know, Joseph Scriven is the one who wrote the words to the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. He was born 1819, and uh, when he was 24 years of age, um, his fiancée drowned in a lake uh, the night before they were to be married. They were having a lakeside wedding the next morning, and she drowned. And uh, Joseph Scriven's life would continue for the next few years with one heartache after another. But it was through that he wrote the words, what a friend we have in Jesus. And think about this now, all of our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And I don't know what 2020 is going to be for us. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be for us corporately. I don't know what it's going to be for you individually. But I know this, you'll never have a better friend than Jesus Christ. And uh, I think the second song was Give Me Jesus. I don't know if that's the title, but I I think so. But really, I think at the end of the day, that's what God's trying to get us to see for everything in life. Just give me Jesus. Uh, Nothing else matters. And uh, what 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 a great, great song and reminder to us. Exodus chapter number 14, we'll look at verses 13 and 14. Uh, the Bible reads, and uh, I've got this on, I think, or maybe, maybe it's not. Yeah, the light's on. Are we on? There we go. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. <laughs> the Bible reads, and Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. That's so easier said, isn't it? Fear ye not. Here's millions of people all terrified, many of them wanting Moses' life. And he says, hey, just relax, chill. That's the original Hebrew, (laughs) chill. Fear ye not, stand still and see or witness the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today... So we know they were very close to them because he said, you you can see them. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, you shall see them again no more. Forever. That's a long time. The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. This particular passage is where we really spring from when God tells the nation of Israel, forget your past, it's time to move forward. Lord, would you help us today? Would you guide and direct our thoughts, our words, and help us as we launch into this year, direction, guide our words and thoughts in the few moments that we have today. May you be pleased by what's said and done. We ask it in your precious name, and we pray that you would indeed speak to every heart. May your will be accomplished, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
forward in 2020, and the title of the message today is simply that, Forward. Are those things moving on your screen? Wow. It's designed to keep you awake. It's a two-coffee message. No, not really. Um, Forward. Here's, here's the nation of Israel, and uh, they, you know their story. They are God's people. And by the way, so are you as a child of God. The Bible literally says that you became Abraham's seed. You're grafted in when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. So we, we often refer to as uh, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, God's promised people. And I'm I'm not against saying that. I say it oftentimes. But don't ever forget that's you. You say, I'm not Jewish. No, but you are God's child. You are God's seed. You've been grafted in. You are now a child of God. And I won't spend all the time to go into that doctrinally, but trust me, you've been adopted. Do you realize what that means? Do you you know that to be adopted, it's easier to get rid of your natural child than it is an adopted child? Not that you want to get rid of any, you know. You know, every once in a while, when I travel on a plane, you'll have some of those flight attendants, and they're humorous, you know, and I always appreciate it when they are. But, um, it's you know, it says four oxygen masks will drop if there's a... They always say, well, we do not anticipate a change in cabin pressure. You know you fly too much when you can quote it, right? Uh, one of them said one time, while well, we do not anticipate a change in cabin pressure, for if we did, we would not be here today. We would have called in sick. You know, that's true. But, but they say four oxygen masks will fall from the ceiling above your seats. If you're traveling with infants or children who need assistance, be sure to put yours on first. If you have more than one child, choose the one who's most likely to succeed. Now, when they're saying that, you're thinking, oh, that's funny, unless you're the one with two kids, and you're thinking, what do I do? But um, here's the nation of Israel, <coughs> and uh, we know their, their history. God chose them, and he chose you. You're, you're his child. Adopted, yes, but you are his child. If you're saved, and I'm not going to assume or presume that everybody in here is a child of God, but if you've placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, you're his child. But here they are, and they have been in bondage for, for centuries now, 400 years of bondage. They've been servants to Egypt. Egypt is often referred to or as a picture or a type of the world and sin and all those things that are bad and negative. God is getting ready to bring them out by a, by a strong hand. And there's so much type in all of this that you could speak and teach upon it for a good while. But I, I, I want to uh, say a couple things about this. Before the nation of Israel could move forward, there were some things they had to understand. One thing they had to understand is you don't look back. You, once, you, once you take the step and you're moving forward, you can't fix the past. You can't remedy it. If it's a failure on your part, there's nothing you can do about it. If it's a wound, it's, it's gone. If it's, a, if it's a loss, it's a dis- disappointment. If it's finance, if it's, if it's health, you cannot fix yesterday. It's done. It's in the books. Last month, last year, you can't fix it. If you could, there probably are things we would change and maybe like to do over, but you can't. And one thing he tells the nation of Israel 
in spite of where they're at, they have two towering cliffs. They have the Egyptian army behind them and the Red Sea in front of them. They look to be in a real pickle. What do we do now? It's one of those moments where you find yourselves literally or figuratively and you realize you have nowhere to turn but to Him. And it's a good God that puts you in that place, by the way. You see, sometimes we think, I like it to be downhill, smooth sailing the whole way. But it's not always that way. In fact, most of the time it isn't. Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. We're born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. But there's several things you have to understand. Number one, you have to know that God delivers. He always does, always has, always will. And even if it looks like everything is against you, God is your deliverer. David said, he's my deliverer. He made it very personal. If you're here and you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, He is, present tense, your deliverer. He has delivered you from your past. He is delivering you from your present. And He will be the one who delivers you to the future. He always has been. The nation of Israel was not so sure. Because in the back of their mind, there's always Egypt kicking up at the heels. They could see the dust as it rose off in the distance and hear the, approaching, uh, the, the sound of the approaching uh, chariots and the horses beating the sand and, and look off in the distance, and they knew exactly. They knew the direction from whence it came. They knew the sound that it carried, and they recognized it in an instant. My past is catching up with me. You ever feel that way? Maybe it's something back there you wish you could get rid of, you wish you didn't have to face, you wish you could move past it, you wish you could get beyond that. Maybe it's a sin, maybe it's a struggle, maybe it's circumstance, whatever it might be. And you look back there and there it is, Egypt again. God never stopped delivering the nation of Israel. Everything through their 40 years in the wilderness, which was a journey that was designed to take a short distance. And if you're traveling right now on the Christian life, God intends to take you rather expeditiously. But we stop so long along the journey that most of us make very little progress in life. God didn't save you to sit. He saved you to serve. He, he didn't save us to, now you're saved, you're going to heaven, forget about it, go on cruise control for the rest of your life. He saved you to make a difference. Make a difference in your world and in your sphere and in your arena of influence. Salvation's a wonderful thing. I'm grateful for it. I know that I'll never taste hell. That's great comfort, but it's not why God saved me. God saved me to serve Him. He saved me to recognize Him as the the only hope and means of salvation for man, but also for each and every one of us to do something about it. I was so encouraged yesterday, we had the largest crowd we've ever had for men's prayer breakfast. Of course, if you you ain't eating, you ain't meeting, right? And uh, pardon the grammar, but you get the drift. And we had a great crowd for that. And then faith share, we had, I think, close to 30 for faith share. And again, reminding you, we're doing that first and third uh, Saturdays. I may have said it a time or two. There's another infomercial. Some people came out for the very first time. They've never done it before. But you know what they were doing? They were doing what God said, go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel. The Bible says that we're supposed to give the gospel out. That's, That's a command. And so, understand this, and here's the nation of Israel. 
They have to know that God delivered them. Notice verse uh, 2 of that same chapter, chapter 14. Speaking of the children of Israel that they turned and encamped before, Pihahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, over against baal Zephon. Why didn't they have Sherwood and Newburgh? Just some simple things in there. You know, come on. Where are you going? I'm going to P-Town, whatever. You know, just, I'm sure they had an abbreviation. Peberg. I don't know. But anyway, come on, stay with me this morning. Humor me, all right? <laughs> and he said, before it shall you encamp by the sea. So we knew that God would deliver them from their from Egypt, but also from Red Sea situations. You say, what's a Red Sea situation? That's where they're at. A Red Sea situation is when God puts you in a tough spot and you see no way out. And you've had one, or you're having one, or you're going to have one. You say, wow, thanks for the encouragement. It's been said that man is either in trouble coming out of trouble, or heading into trouble. And here's the nation of Israel. What a type for all of us, everyone who ever draw a breath after this scene. But for the entire nation of Israel, he said, go right there. And of all the places to go, that made the least amount of sense. Nobody heard it. That's okay. Don't worry about it. That made the least amount of sense. Why would you go there? I want you to get right next to the Red Sea. I'm sure somebody in the crowd said, anybody got a boat? I'm sure somebody thought that. I mean, you're moving forward, and then all of a sudden, you can't move. You're stuck. You're in a quagmire, literally and figuratively, towering cliffs on either side. And so if you decide maybe there's something going on somewhere else, and maybe we missed something, maybe we misunderstood, because I didn't see this in the plans, We got out of Egypt, man, it was a party. It was awesome. You remember the day you got saved? My sins are washed away. How great was that? And can you imagine the nation of Israel? Here they are. They're all hunkered down. They're observing the Passover. The death angel would pass over when he saw the blood on the doorpost. What a beautiful type that is. And by the way, that's the only way he passes over you. The blood had better be applied. Without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin, the Bible tells us. Don't ever think it's works. Giving, baptism, it is always by the applied blood of Jesus Christ, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. But here they are on that night, man, it's celebratory. The family's all gathered around, they're eating, having a great time, but they were told, don't leave this room. And then God delivers them, there's a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt. God delivers them, and then they begin to get the spoils of all the Egyptians. They just wanted to be rid of them. I mean, you talk about a party. These are your, your oppressors, and they're giving you everything they've got just to be done with you. All their possessions, their wealth, their gold, their silver, their, their fabulous linens, their, their feast, everything. Just be gone and be done. That's a pretty good time. This is awesome. We're getting out of the world, and God's giving us everything anyway. That's pretty good. But then you leave, and reality sets in. You see, not every day in the Christian life is like salvation. Not every day is like the day you got delivered. The day you got delivered, man, I could touch the sky. It was so awesome. I knew that Christ was my Redeemer and my eternity was fixed and set. And thank God for that. That's a great day. And then you take one step 
into welcome to life. Now, there's a huge change because you have God with you. Emmanuel, God with us. You don't take that journey alone. But now here they are, and so God delivers them. They get out here. They're in the desert, towering cliffs either side, Red Sea in front of them. Nation of Egypt behind them. Egyptian army. God will often put his child in a tough spot where it looks like there's no turning back just so you can, number one, learn to trust like you've never trusted before. Number two, see deliverance unlike anything you've ever experienced. That's what he does. You see, at this point, they're thinking, hey, we got money. We got food. We got friends. And we got everything. And God says, no, that money's going to go. The food's going to perish. Your crowd's going to dissipate. You get out here in life, you are going to need the deliverer. You realize that never changes? He's teaching that it wasn't just the day you got saved. It's tomorrow. It's next week. It's next month. It's next year. It's next heartache. It's next disappointment. It's, not, it's next sickness. It's next financial setback. It's next broken or strained relationship. God says, trust me. I may have put you there, but I put you there so that you would learn to lean on me like you did the day I brought you out of Egypt. To move forward, you have to know that God delivers. Then secondly, you have to trust that God directs. This is a tough one. Oh, we sing the song with such ease, almost delight. Only trust him, only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you, he will save you, he will save you now. We sing, right? And we think typically, oh, that's a great song for those that are lost. True. It's a salvation appeal. Nobody would argue with that. Do you realize that's an appeal for every believer? Only trust him. Only trust him. There are several things mentioned in that phrase. First of all, the person to whom you trust. He's exclusive. Nobody else. So you have to trust his direction even when it doesn't make sense. You know the will of God can put you in some crazy spots. It doesn't make sense. And you're trying to think, why here? Why now? Why me? And God says, did you trust me when we left Egypt? When everybody was hooting and hollering and it was such a great time and I know they didn't have guns back then, but fireworks or whatever, man, it was just, it was awesome. Man, when you got saved, maybe you were in a place where people came by, shook your hand. And it was just, man, it was wonderful. I'm so glad you got saved. And typical experience in, the, in, a, in a church setting, you trusted Christ. And now it's almost like everybody forgot you. Okay, you're one of us now. Here we go. <laughs> you know, we're just kind of onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. Why? That doesn't sound fun. With the cross of Jesus going on before, and there you are. And then, boom, you're following the crowd, and all of a sudden, Red Sea, towering cliffs, Egyptian army. 
because God says, you better know I deliver and you better trust me to direct. It doesn't always make sense. That's why Paul would say, <coughs> First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. You see, when God is directing you, He's directing you and telling you who to follow. In this particular instance, Paul said what, what I think could be expressed by many. I will do my best as your pastor, I've said this before, to lead you biblically. If I've said it once, I've said it numerous times. I do not try to be politically correct, but I do want to be biblically correct. I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. I'm trying to obey the Lord. And if I stray from the Bible, call me on it. Now, if I stray from your opinion, that's a different thing altogether because we all have opinions. But if I stray from the Bible, that's a, that's a different thing. The Bible talked about the Bereans who searched the Scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. Can you imagine Paul, arguably the greatest Christian of the New, Christian of the New Testament, he's preaching, there are people out there going, and they didn't have Google. And they had to do it the hard way. They had to actually know where the Bible said what it said. Now it's a piece of cake. You just type in a search word, and man, it finds you every single time it's mentioned. So you can nail me real fast. But the fact is, Paul said, follow me. And so his direction always includes, first of all, a messenger. A messenger. I don't have the answer for everything. I, sometimes people ask me questions, say, hey, pastor, what do you think about this? And by the way, if it's my opinion, that's, that's all it is. But if God says something, there is no other opinion on the matter that matters. I try to never tell people what I think. Sometimes people say, Pastor, what do you think about this? I don't know. They'll ask about maybe an eschatological question. What do you think about this? I don't know. Well, when are you going to teach on it when I figure it out? Yeah. Well, I'm waiting for you. Keep waiting. But I don't have the answer to everything, but I know who does. And so when God directs, he does a couple things. He tells us who to follow. And I think, first of all, we see a messenger. Then secondly, may I, may I say this? He not only tells us who to follow, but he also tells us where to go. This is very significant from Genesis chapter 12. It's Abraham who's referenced as Abram here. Prior to God changing his name, he would become the father of the faithful. Now, the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. As you leave 2019, which we already have, and we're into 2020, understand this, that God directs through his message, through his messenger, but he also tells you where to go. Because a big part of moving forward is getting out of where you're at and getting unto where he wants you to be. It's very easy for us to say this in a nutshell. I want to do better this year. What does that mean? It's like somebody saying, standing up and saying, oh, I want to read, read my Bible more. That's, such a, that's such, such a clear code. Does it mean you never read your, read your Bible before? Does it mean you read through it once, you want to try twice? Does it mean you read through it for a few weeks and you gave it up, but you want to get right back in it? I don't know what it means. But I know this, when God told Abraham to get out of one place, it was because there was some place better he had in mind for them. 
And as you leave 2019 in the dust, whatever it was, for good, for bad, for better, for worse, whatever it was, know that God has the best in mind for you. Do you realize he said, I know the plans that I have for you? God said, listen, nation of Israel, I know right now all looks bleak. But I know what I have in store. I know what's, on, I know what's getting ready to happen to the waters. I mean, they're awesome. And I, I know what's getting ready to happen to your enemies. And I know that I'm going to provide for you when you get to the other side. I didn't bring you out to abandon you. I didn't bring you out to watch you fall to pieces. I didn't bring you out to see you struggle. I didn't bring you out to see you sit and soak and sour on God. I brought you out to show you my mighty hand because I'm the deliverer. And you have to trust his direction to move forward in 2020. Then may I say this finally. God delivers. (coughs) Secondly, God directs, and then thirdly, God displays. It was a big deal to God to show himself. God said he was a jealous God. God said that he would have honor on his enemy. God said that he would laugh when they were in derision. So it's a big deal when God, listen to me, it's a big deal when God gets to show off in your life. Listen, you in your own human nature, when you can do something good for your children, it delights you maybe better than anything in this life. I mean, when you, we just came through the Christmas season, and many of you bought things for your children or your grandchildren, and, and you take great delight in meeting a need in granting a request, so much so that even if they've, uh, I don't know how it is at your house, but they'll hand out the gifts, and I always used to do this when I was a kid. I would, uh, I would have my stack there, you know, whatever it was, stack, and sometimes it was very small, but sometimes it was big, depending on, you know, how good the year was. But I'd have mine, and I've watched everybody else. Sometimes mom would say, Stuart, you need to open some of yours. Sometimes the girls say, Dad, you're going to open yours. But, but I enjoy seeing the delight on the face of someone I love get what Tony bought for them. <laughs> Again, just, see, just seeing if you're paying attention. After much counseling and consideration, okay, all you moms are out there looking at me, yeah, okay. But, but then she'll clue me in because we'll sit next to each other when we get them. <laughs> Not always, but come on, give me a break, okay? All right, back off. And so I'm trying to move forward here. You're not helping. But as I see them, and I'm thinking, oh, she's going to love this. And then you see them open it. You know what that does for you? Then let me ask you this. Whatever you're in right now, God's wrapping 
your deliverance. He's, he's put a bow on the direction. And he wants to display it. Now, I know a lot of times, man, we try to sneak in the closet and find out what mom and dad had bought. But God would say, my dad would say, sometimes my dad would move it around. Sometimes he'd hide stuff. Sometimes he'd put bags in there with nothing in them but other bags. Always trying to do things like that. But you know that <coughs> God's deliverance, God's direction, and God's display are always on time. He's never late. He's never early. It's always on time. And when that happens, you, you look at that and you think, wow, I, I did not see this coming. I didn't see it this way. I, I, I didn't see it this time. But God says, that was my plan all along. And you know, most of the time, it never makes sense until we've gone through it. And we get to the other side. So we see God's deliverance, God's direction, God's display, several things. First of all, God displays His power. I've got to read these, so, so bear with me. I'm going to hustle through them, but I don't want to shortchange time with the Word of God. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by strong east wind. All that night made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. What God did here was He said, let me show you what I can do when you are at a spot where it looks like there's no way out, and I put you there. You got a million questions. It's okay. Moses was getting it. That's why he told him, stand still. In other words, chill. Yeah, but what about this? We got tiring cliffs, we got their heads. We got, and I don't know, they're all, everybody's saying it. It was just a massive chorus of rage, frustration, anger, wailing. Can you imagine moms with children knowing you brought us out here to die? They literally would say that, not just this once, but multiple times. What on earth? And God says, I'm going to show you what I can do in the midst of your being put in a place where nothing makes sense. God says, let me display, first of all, my power. Then secondly, he says, let me display my protection. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them away, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and by night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So the first thing God displays is his power. The second thing is his protection. This is big because sometimes you may ask yourself, how am I going to make it through the year? I'm not even worried about how I'm going to make it through the year. How am I going to make it through today? How am I going to make it through the night? How am I going to make it through this week? How am I going to make it through next month? And for any, any ver, a myriad of reasons. And God says, do you trust me? Because I'm your deliverer. I'm your director. And I want to display, first of all, my power. Secondly, my protection. 
Then thirdly, Exodus chapter 16, verse 14 and 15, I'm hustling through these last couple thoughts. When the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the ground, they lay a small round thing, as small as the hoar frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it is manna. For they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. So God says, I'm going to show you some things when you're stuck. I'm going to display my power, my protection, my provision. And then finally, and afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go, here's why, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Exodus 14, verse 4, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord, and they did so. See, as you move forward and you see God's displays, there are four things that are present, His power, His protection, His provision, and then finally, the one that we never understand until usually we're on the other side, and that is His plan. Moses told Aaron, there's no record of him telling the entire nation of Israel necessarily these exact (coughs) words, but he said, we're getting out of here, here's why, so we can serve him. That's an important distinction. And then, secondly, God says, I'm delivering you so that I will be honored. So two things with God's plan. God's plan always wants to include these two things for every child of God. Number one, you serve me. Number two, you honor me. You say, what if the Red Sea makes no sense? doesn't have to. God said, I I delivered you. I'm directing you. I'm going to display in your life. But the entire time, two things ought to be very clear. No matter what, I will serve thee. No matter what, God will be honored. As, as we step out into 2020 and move forward, understand God is, was, and shall be your only deliverer. Always. Always. Always, always, always. God is the only one trustworthy for direction in your life. And then thirdly, when you get those two things in order, God says, in my timing, I will display my power, my protection, my provision, and my plan. Then, and only then, can we move forward in 2020. How about you today? Can you say, God's my deliverer? I hope you can. If you can't, you must trust Him. You must trust Him as your Savior. Can you say, I'm depending on Him in His direction? I'm, I'm willing to follow His direction, even if it doesn't make sense. And so here I am in my life on the steps of 2020. I'm just waiting for Him to display power, I've seen it. His protection, I need it. His provision, 
I want that. His plan, I'll trust that it comes in His time. 2020, let's move forward this year. Paul makes one statement among many. He says, forgetting those things which are behind, I press. In other words, I go forward, trusting the deliverer, following his direction. 